This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode contains discussion of, though not depiction of, sexual assault and homophobia. Arden is a production of Wayface Industries. The good people. Especially Gina. Previously on Arden. Do you remember where you were when you found out that Julie Capsom was gone? Pretty soon, it seemed like she was our next big star. You're supposed to be interviewing Kale McPherson tomorrow. That's Ralph Montgomery. The Halloween story, the relationship that burned hot and burned fast and simmered over a year into tragedy. It's all wrong. You think I recall every extra on my set? Let's say you and I shake out the other end of our revelations from the last time. You mean Mr. Poins? I will even admit that my office conducted its own investigation of Julie's disappearance. Kale McPherson? His films are absolutely notorious for the party scene, and even by Hollywood standards, these parties are are wild. You know that Julie didn't get along with her parents, right? The last pages of that report are for the only people who deserve to have them. Robert and Kathleen Capsum. Julie, my daughter, my daughter is dead. She knows we're recording, right? This is the first time B has ever been the last one to the studio, much less late. Usually you're the one swaggering in two hours past recording time, telling us to re-examine our preconceptions about time. It doesn't exist. I'm not having this debate again. And anyway... We have to cut her some slack. We just won the Best Podcast of All Time Award, so... While I appreciate the plaque, I don't know that the Daily Republic of Mitchell, South Dakota is the world's foremost authority on podcasting. But please continue to rate and subscribe to Arden on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. I hung the Best Podcast plaque in my cubicle. Listen, as your producer, I just really want to... Have you seen Bea? No, she's late for our recording session, so I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Sorry, I wasn't asking where Bea was. I was asking if you had seen her. It's finally happened. What's finally? Oh, it. Yes. I was at Joanne Fabrics. Wait, wait, you were at Joanne Fabrics? I can have hobbies. Well, I was there, and, and the little old ladies mad. Someone had bought out the entire stock. I put two and two together and well, here, we're going mobile. Follow me. Please tell me hey, she Ms. didn't. Pink, have you gotten a look at the break room? It's, uh, not great. Oh, dear Lord. Holy free holy. There's yarn, like, everywhere. Even on the ceiling. Who had episode nine in the Bia Makes a Crazy Conspiracy Wall pool? 
It was Andy. She's gone full homeland. I love it. This is not a crazy conspiracy wall. This is an attempt to pin down the facts. And like Angela Chase in Homeland, I've learned you can never trust an attractive ginger. Uh, Damien Lewis has those wee beady eyes anyway. Bia, you've written the word skunk ape on a sheet of paper with five question marks, then pinned it to the microwave with duct tape. I'd say this counts as crazy conspiracy wall. You know, wall implies just a singular wall. I mean, this is really more of a crazy conspiracy room, and I don't know if Andy- Andy bought every single slot for a crazy conspiracy room in the pool. Son of a Where are you anyway, Bia? Hold on. I'm- have anything to worry about. She was behind the fridge the whole time. You laugh and mock, but I've been here since last night. Clearly. I have it all figured out. Oh, I get it. This is an episode where we switch personalities. Fun! On December 25th, 2007, somewhere around 11 p.m., Julie Capsum ran her car off the road and into a tree in the middle of Northern California's most desolate stretch of major highway, halfway between Eureka and Crescent City, California. One witness saw her pacing outside her car, but by the time the police arrived, she had vanished. While dogs picked up her scent headed into the trees, it disappeared in the middle of a forest clearing. What happened to Julie that Christmas night? How could someone that well-known vanish in the United States in the 2000s? And why has this case haunted us ever since? Each week, we'll explore a different part of the story and see if we can't untangle this web and find the answers. Join us, won't you, as we unravel the mystery on Arden. All right, kitties. We've only got a few episodes left in case Lee's having some sort of a psychological episode. It's not a psychological episode. I'm really close to figuring this thing out. Look, if anyone's going to solve this mystery... I'm heading this off at the pass before you two eat up another episode with senseless arguing. Let's start in the obvious place. What was in the final pages of the report that Robert Capsum commissioned? The whereabouts of Julie's remains. Right. The private detective followed the money trail to Brookings, Oregon, and there... He found the outfit Julie had been wearing all day, drenched in her blood, but he didn't find her body. Though, if Julie had lost that much blood... So, what does that tell us? Well, Brookings is right across the border from Crescent City. Somebody obviously grabbed her, threw her in their car, and then just... Grabbed her from the forest clearing? Did a giant claw descend from the sky and grab her by the head and... Say that again. The giant claw thing? Tell me this isn't the theory of mine that you... Oh, What? What? Oh, a helicopter. Right? It's like Julie is lifted into the sky. So, what if somebody tracks her down by helicopter? They force her to get in, fly off with her, then fly her to Oregon, where any sort of search is far less likely to be carried out. You've heard of Virginia is for lovers? Organist for murderers. Besides, the back country outside of Brookings is an absolute mess, but there is an airport. You land the helicopter, ditch the body back in the woods, and then it's not found for years. 
Except all they found were clothes, not even bones. It's not all that uncommon, especially if an animal gets a hold of the body and drags it off. Really, it's how God wanted us to go out if you think about it. Our corpses dragged off and mauled by an alpha predator or scavenger. Boy, what a thing. All that aside. It works, right? As a theory? I guess. It's a little disappointing. Sort of deus ex machina. I mean, it is a machine out of the sky, so... So who killed her? And who's the torso? Ralph, almost certainly. Uh, or at least he's the torso. Which would mean he's not the killer. Score one for Bentley. But the killer... Kale McPherson. I thought I was supposed to be the crazy one in this episode. No, I'm serious. If any one of those Hollywood stories are true, we know he's violent. We know he's tied to Julian Ralph, and so... No, that's still a really big stab in the dark. Editors, can you Not even cut... a little bit. Have you listened to the news today? At all? He's all over it. As established, I was engaging in some creative arts and crafts in the break room. Huh. Hmm, this LA Times report is certainly interesting. What's it say? Nearly a dozen women, most of whom spoke to the Times on condition of anonymity, they've confessed that when attending McPherson's famous parties, they would often wake up the next morning in one of his many guest rooms with no memory of how they'd even gotten there. Some even insist that they had nothing to drink. Oh, gross. And to think I liked his... Oh, it goes on from there. I can fill in the blanks. Maybe I'll... Burn my copy of Standing Casual. So Kale did it. It's... I mean, Kale has the money and the opportunity. We know that Julie went to one of his parties. But at the same time, it's a long way from serial sexual assault to coming up with an elaborate scheme to murder two people. Even the story that Kathy told us the last time about that fight he got into, it was a heat-of-the-moment attack versus something planned. Suppose Julie's going to come clean about what happened to her. Say the wild child thing was caused by this older, more powerful man she trusted doing something awful to her. Then how was Ralph involved? He's her witness. He was on a set for Guinevere. He was her friend. Maybe he was even her boyfriend. Remember, it's the 2000s, okay? So people are a lot more likely to believe a woman if a dude's backing her up. So much has changed. So that's what's got Julie and Ralph so worried that last weekend. Kale knows they're going to come clean. And he's threatened them. At some point, they go out to meet him. Why? Like, if they have proof, why not just go to the press? Big name like that? They had to have a lot of courage to take that on at the time. Kale's an Academy Award winner, critical favorite, noted political donor and activist, gives a lot of money to... to charities, and... What? It's over here. Ah, crap, I thought it was over here. You need help? No, 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 you both keep talking. I swear I saw it. So why did they meet Kale if they're going to expose him? Maybe he's going to pay them off. Julie doesn't need money. But Ralph does. So he goes alone? Yeah, after emptying his bank account? I mean... Or he's rattled. Kale threatens him. So he decides to go on the run. He takes all the money and is headed out of town. 
He likes Julie, but he's not going to die for her. Except he does. Somehow, Kale finds out what Ralph's up to and catches up with him. He kills Ralph, and maybe it's not planned. It just happens out of the heat of the moment. Then he puts the body in Julie's trunk to intimidate her. But just a torso? Hard to fit a whole body in a trunk. I assume. It's actually not that difficult. We have got to get to know each other better. Relax. You and your friends never pretended to kidnap each other in high school? No. It's easy enough to explain away. Maybe rigor mortis has set in. Uh, Let's assume Kale is not that great at knowing what to do with his freshly acquired body, the one he means to threaten Julie with. Maybe he's initially panicked and decides to just get rid of Ralph's corpse. But by the time he's chopped it up, he realizes he can use it. There's a lot of leaps in logic there, but sure, let's go with it. You're one to complain about leaps of logic. Remember where we established that we were going to switch personalities on this episode? I'm just playing along with being... Okay, that was a thing that you said. It wasn't actually the premise of... Please stop now. We're actually making progress. So if we assume that Kale isn't smart about stashing bodies in the trunk, but is a criminal mastermind when it comes to cutting them up... Julie finds the body and... And we know he could have gotten it there because Kale is at the Capsum family compound that weekend. What? That would be a heck of a piece of corroborating evidence, but I... It's a New York Times style section story on the last party of Julie Capsum. That seems horribly gross. Okay. Uh, Family and friends and Hollywood notables, yada, yada, yada. Okay, one guest who raised eyebrows was Kale McPherson, the director of Julie's controversial shelved film, Guinevere. Uh, There's a photo of him with his arm around Julie. Let me see that. Look at her eyes. She looks trapped. So she freaks the fuck out and goes on the run. And sends an email implicating Ralph? Maybe she's so scared of Kale that she hopes to... I don't know. You know what, though? I have the original email here uh, somewhere. And? Right. We always wondered about this, but decided it was a dumb teenager thing or a typo. So it starts, oh god, I screwed up, and Ralph knows. He was yelling at me on the phone. Only both the letters in he are capitalized. Not hard to do if you're typing fast. What if he isn't Ralph? What if it's a way to signal Kale without saying Kale? Now who's making leaps of logic? We had a bunch of Julie's other emails in the... Oh, the boxes of evidence. That got burned in my truck. Damn you, Kale McPherson. Uh, But if she spells he with two capitals... It's a theory. So... What we need to do is figure out if Kale rented a helicopter or some other sort of aircraft on December 25th, 2007. Then we need to figure out if he hired someone to fly it. And then we need to figure out who that It might even be easier than that. Oh? Brookings Airport is super tiny, but it should have a log of aircraft that landed there. Even if nobody was on duty, security cameras would have captured footage of a landing, and then someone would have logged it afterward. There are ways to avoid getting logged at any airport, but you think Kale knows them? He seems to know how to cut up a human body. Tom Cruise chopped up Dermot Mulroney in Standing Casual. I thought he just threw the body into a garbage compactor. Well, he had to chop Dermot into pieces first. Man, I can't believe I ever thought that was a modern American classic. So back in the day, we did actually do some investigation of a helicopter-slash-plane theory. 
We requisitioned all the flight logs for airports within a 100-mile radius, just in case somebody had pulled a Robert Durst and holed up nearby, just waiting for Julie to pass through. We didn't find anything incriminating, but if we're pretty sure Kale went to Brookings to dump the body, then... Then you could check the aircraft that went into that airport that night and figure out if any were rented in the Los Angeles area. It would be easier if I actually had access to the police database, but I have something even better. What? Whoosh! What was that? It was like a whip pan, where it's suddenly the future, and my solution has presented itself. You know nobody can see us, right? I want them to imagine the TV version. Which is like scrubs? Listeners, just imagine a whip pan and... Ah, hell. Editors, cut this out. Got what you wanted, boss. And we didn't have to delve into how exactly you acquired that information, because we have suspended our disbelief to understand that you could. Or we just want the answers already. That too. So did anybody fly into Brookings? For Christ's sakes, it's just, just one small aircraft, a little Cessna 172, oh, that's basically a crop duster, registered to and presumably flown by one Daniel Lewis Baxter. Did you find Baxter? I didn't realize I was supposed to. I thought... We don't, we don't need to track him down. We've already spoken to him. Huh? I mean, not on the show, but in general. Daniel Lewis Baxter? Oh, that's the name of Natalie Thomas's husband. Do you have a radio station? A podcast? An audiobook? A spoken word tone poem about the futility of life on Earth? Are you up to your eyeballs in audition tapes from people who are begging, nay, pleading to read your advertisements live on air? Can you just not be bothered to listen to all of them? Hi, I'm Andy Waveface. Times Man of the Year 2006. Wasn't that the year everybody was Person of the Year? Because the winner was you, and then they had the Times and... Man of the Year 2006. I made my fortune the old-fashioned way, by inheriting a truly remarkable sum of money, then hiring a man to turn it into even more money for me. And now, I want to help you make your fortune by indulging in my true passion, reading ads on podcasts and radio programs. There's no ad too small. Here are just a few selections from some of my biggest hits. Just take it from me, the Gorilla Man. What's new, Pussycat? A mechanical exoskeleton that will let you crush any dog you like between your jaws. Christmas just ain't Christmas without a high-stakes, life-or-death game of chance, all played out on your own private island. Airbnb is... God, this is filthy! Duck Duck Juice. It's like Uber, but for duck juice. So hire me, Andy Wayface, to read your ads. My rates are eminently reasonable, and I come complete with an entire production team. Okay, we're not producing your... And entire production team. Look me up in the phone book under Andy Wayface, comma, fame and fortune opportunities. Hire Andy Wayface today. 
Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey, it's Natalie. Please leave a message. She must be screening our calls. We were getting along so well. You have any luck getting in touch with Kale McPherson? Yeah, like he's not hiding behind 50 levels of lawyers. Did you even try? I bought one of those maps to the stars. He moved to New York in 2014. Okay, then no, I did not try. Look, if we're only going to speculate that he committed murder, it's important for us to reach out and ask him for comment. Or his legal team, or whatever. So let's just say we did that. We can't just say we did that. Well, if the listeners are listening to this, then we did. Because it would be deeply unethical to air it without... Mr. McPherson's lawyers provided us with this statement. Mr. McPherson denies all wrongdoing he is accused of thanks to salacious gossip, mostly from unnamed rumor mongers. He especially denies that anything untoward happened with Julie Capsum, who was a minor at the time he knew her. Their relationship was completely professional, and Mr. McPherson regrets the untimely events that surrounded such a promising young actress. Smells like horse to me. <sighs> Maybe we need to take a step back. We're going a mile a minute here. Because we're so close. Okay. How is Natalie involved? Or her now husband, at least. Rosalind, did you figure out how long Natalie and Daniel have been together? Neither would accept my friend request, but uh, they filed a wedding license in the Los Angeles County Courthouse in 2011, and their oldest child, a boy, was uh, born in 2014. Their younger child, a girl, was born Got in... Got it. So maybe it's all a weird coincidence? The man who just happens to fly into an airport where Julie's personal effects are found the night she disappears also just happens to marry her best friend? Boy, imagine the awkward conversation. Huh, now that we've had two kids together, I need to tell you about that time I was involved in a conspiracy to kill your best friend. Did they give their kids super L.A. hippie names? They live over in Silver Lake. I bet they did. <laughs> well, their daughter's name is Chinestra, and they call her Chi because, and I quote from Natalie's still public Instagram, She's realigned the energies of my heart. Oh. <laughs> what? None of you have ever held a baby before? I try Trust not to. Casely! All right. High five. At least we can agree kids are the worst. Do you want to know what Chi's big brother's name is? We should really get back I to do. the case. I do. Very much so. Tim. Short for? Timothy. Sometimes they just go where you expect folks. There's only one way to figure this out. Hey, it's Natalie. <sighs> Maybe we're thinking about all this... Oh, good! Maybe it's Natalie. Caller ID says Lorena Christopher, the podcast host? Oh! Yes! I should, uh... I should tape this. <laughs> what was that? Bia and Lorena are dating. You didn't know? Yeah, they hit it off at PodCon. I mean, really, if, if you listen to the behind-the-scenes This material... is the first I'm hearing about it. Oh, you evidently missed. Did you hear about the date I went on last night with <gasps> Lorena Christopher? Day. Yeah, she was insufferable. But she was also happy, so she brought bagels. Yeah, so we got something out of it at least. 
And now you know what it means every time she brings in bagels. I've eaten those bagels. So Casey's into snobs? Well, yes. Every time she brings a new bow by man or woman, that person's basically bee up a morsel. Like they met at a dating service for pedantics. <laughs> and I always thought opposites attracted. True enough. What do you think she and Lorena do on dates? Correct each other's grammar? Probably go to the movies and call it the cinema. Ugh. Hey, Brenda, you okay? Oh. Oh. You had a crush, didn't you? Of course not! Everything about Casey drives me up the wall. Mm-hmm. Spoken like a true Meg Ryan protagonist. Now, you remember that werewolf film that she did? It was like in the 90s. Whatever. I just thought Casey and I were friends. And when you're friends, you talk about stuff like that. You know, like... If you have a new relationship you're excited about. Oh, so if, if you had a new relationship... Casey would be the first person I'd tell. I'm hurt. Then you see what I mean. I was kidding. Also, I feel like you'd magically already know somehow, so... <laughs> yeah, I totally would. I have a way about me. And I go through all of your trash cans at night. It's not a big deal. <laughs> it's not. It's just... Sorry. The... Just had a couple of things to hash out. Pamela, can I take five? I'm really glad you're happy, Bia. Really glad. What was that? It, it you know, it's don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> you can take Friday off. Just, you know, clean the break room. Right. On it. And obviously, if we get any closer to breaking this case, I'll rethink my plans. I honestly think we might be further off than we were when we started this whole podcast. You sure Brenda's okay? She has weird ideas about friendship. Hey folks, your old pal Brenda Bentley here. And I just wanted to clarify some things. And this time, I know enough about the magic of radio to not broadcast my every thought to the entire station. <laughs> Look, I know how this works, right? I'm not dumb. You heard how upset I got back there, and you concluded that this whole mystery thing is just a ruse to let two crazy kids who seem like they hate each other but secretly can't live without each other fall in love. And I also know that the more I deny thinking Casely is the bee's knees, the more you're going to think that I'm lying. And you know what? I'll admit it. If I met her in a bar or come across her on way date, sure. I'd have flirted a little bit. I'm attractive. She's almost as attractive. We're both adults. That's how it goes. But I didn't meet her in a bar. I didn't find her on some app. We have a whole history. We're co-workers. We're not just randos. And I do think of her as a friend, I guess. Or at least I like talking to her about this case, which is not something I can say for everybody. Listen, let me tell you a story. There was a reason I was working that Christmas night, even though I asked for the time off. When I first got to Eureka, it was great. Everybody liked me. They knew I dated women. It was all okay. And then I met her, Yvonne from the Evidence Locker. Okay, that's not her real name. I just always wanted to date Yvonne. 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 It was a short thing, but oh boy, I was 
I'm gonna censor myself here. Suffice it to say, it was about three weeks and then it was over and it wasn't by my choice. And after that, it was like some switch flipped in everybody. Like the thought that I might date a woman was fine in theory, but when it was someone they knew, someone they gossiped with, and then I had to wonder if they were gossiping about me. If Yvonne had told them anything about who I was when I wasn't on the clock. If I had betrayed myself by falling so hard and so fast for a woman I barely knew. Like, I get that's the risk that we take when we date a coworker, but I learned my lesson. The whole precinct, one by one, they all kind of turned on me, not in a way that you could notice, just in that way where people would be talking, and I would come over, and they'd keep laughing at each other's jokes, and even mine, but a little more hollowly. And then they'd start making excuses to go back to their desks, and I always wondered, if I had just stayed put and not come over, would they have just kept laughing together? Maybe I was just paranoid. Nobody was a jerk to me in an obvious way. They just looked at me like I was standing a couple of inches to the left of where I really was. And I couldn't get them to look at me, no matter how hard I tried. And I wasn't just paranoid. They made me work that Christmas, even when I wanted the time off, even when I was owed the time off. When they didn't actually need a detective instead of just a couple of junior officers. And when the whole thing blew up in my face, well, nobody put their necks out for me. So, probably the gay thing, right? So yes, Casely's cute, and yes, I get it, chemistry. But I have chemistry with everybody, let me tell you. And I don't date co-workers. End of explanation. Hey, Pamela, have you had this problem? What problem is that, Rosalind? You're making a little food for yourself in the kitchen, just jamming out to some tunes, but you can barely hear them because you're playing them in the other room. Wow, that is a problem. I have had a number of times, at least five, no more than 12. <laughs> well, I've got a solution. The Waveface Speaker Now or Forever Hold Your Jam system. It's cutting-edge speaker quality, and it will sound like it's right in the room next to you. And, even better, you don't have to buy a complicated series of speakers to set it up, because <laughs> who has the time? I certainly do not have the time. Let me demonstrate it for you. Just set the Waveface Speaker Now system up next to whatever you need to make louder, and it does all the work. Wow, you're so loud. I know, I'm... No, maybe turn in the other direction. <laughs> well, volume won't be a problem anymore. And even better, you can buy the Wayface Analog System for just $35. Well, why just listen to me? <laughs> Wait. Okay, so this really is just like a high school cheerleader megaphone with Wayface awkwardly printed on it. Okay. <laughs> sure. Go Wayface Industries and or Armor Packers. <laughs> Do I sound louder to you now? Oh, sure. That's how sound works, right? Yeah, you just sound so lifelike. I think I'm supposed to say that. Oh, right. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you sound so lifelike. Like I'm in the same room? <laughs> you bet. So get down to Waymart today and pick up your very own speaker now or forever hold your jam system. How was that? That was... Uh, that, that was good. 
Yeah, good. These are really just megaphones, huh? Yeah, well, you didn't hear it from us. This is Bea Casely. Bea? Natalie! Thank God. I've missed seven calls from you. I have a question. Just a stupid one, but maybe an important one. I'm sure you don't know anything about it. <sighs> Look, I'm getting really tired of this, Bea. I have told you everything I know. I swear, it's just for color. Look, uh, can we stop by in a bit? It'll be better if we can record in person. My husband needs me to join him for a work event tonight. <laughs> Unless you can babysit It'll us. just take a couple of minutes. Promise. Don't get here any later than six. So, you think she knows something? I don't know. I wouldn't have pictured her being that good of an actor. If Natalie planted that email... I don't think that's what happened. I realize that, but what... You sound I... like me, you realize. Yeah, I kind of do. It's just... fun to go down that rabbit hole. A little, I guess. Do you ever think that we shouldn't have done this? Not really. I mean, these people had lives, and then we came along If and... one of them killed Julie... Or forced her to run away? I know. That's the upside. But unless every single person we've talked to was in on it, it's just a lot. Sure. But getting to the truth? You make people mad. That's just how it is. I, I'm not explaining it very well. You remember when we argued about the Captain Case curse? This feels like that. Like we've forgotten... This is something that happened to real people, you know? Well, right. We can't lose sight of that. But wouldn't they like to know what happened? Would you want to know that your daughter or best friend or whatever had been subject to some terrible man's worst impulses? Yes, I would. If it would help her rest in peace. I just... This is all entertainment to us, and to most of the people listening, I suppose. It's not about justice as much as it is this weird, arbitrary deadline. I do care about Julie. It was never supposed to be a deadline. I get it. That's my fault. We turned it all into a sideshow. But somebody died. Most likely two people. Okay, right. I am sorry we're not more solemn about all of it. But isn't it kind of fun? Closing in on the truth. It is fun. I'm wondering if it should be. What is with you today? Nothing. Let's just do the interview. Is it about Lorena and... No, God, Casey, it's not about... I'm glad you're happy. Okay. I mean, it, you, of all people, deserve someone to help you loosen up. I'm going to ignore that. Thank you. Cool. This better be quick. Of course. We respect your time. Says the woman who drops by every other Tuesday. That's not quite accurate. It's more or less true. We just need this one last question answered. This is a flight record into the Brookings Airport. This interview is over. What? Natalie! I don't know anything about it. About your future husband flying into Brookings on the night of Julie's disappearance? 
Did he have something of to do? Of course not. He didn't even know Julie. Like, I really should go. Tim! Natalie. Shy? Come say goodnight to mommy. Natalie, what is this? You know we can go to Kids. the police with... Forget it. I'm calling this in. Bentley. Sorry, Casey. We've had our fun, but this is strong circumstantial evidence that Natalie Thomas Baxter and her husband have been obstructing police investigations, withholding evidence. Circumstantial evidence. And I have a few friends on the force. People who owe me a favor. Besides, the cop who finally breaks the Julie Capson murder is going to be a national hero. And you're the lead that'll get us there, Natalie. You've got a nice house here. Nice car. Nice kids. Does not mean fucking dick to me. I'm done playing around. Should I call the police? Or maybe I can get Mr. Wayface's lawyers on the phone. I'm sure we can get some kind of subpoena to interview Daniel at least. They'll figure out a way to do it. So you'd better think very, very carefully if you had something to do with Julie. Did it murder. ever occur to any of you that maybe she didn't want to be found? Whoa! Hey, we... Wait. Julie's alive? I don't know. She was the last time I saw her. At the Christmas party? No. On the helicopter. The helicopter? I can't believe how behind you are. You still haven't figured it out, have you? You want to know? You want to know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. It is what we're here for. My so best friend fell in love with a boy when she was 13. 13! Can you imagine that? Meeting the love of your life that young? Ralph. Of course it was Ralph. Is he the torso? Who else would it be? Uh, there are our theories. Uh, your theories. Okay. But everybody wanted Julie. You know that. Because you do too. And after Guinevere... Did Kale... do something to her? Well, she'd never talk about it with me. But I know that she and Ralph were planning something. Something big. And it involved Kale. And I know that Ralph died. And Julie found out about it somehow and she thought Kale was involved. And then she asked for my help. And then she ran. And I don't know why she sent the email. I don't know why she did half the things she did. But I do know that when your best friend asks you to find a pilot... So, so, so you just happened to be dating a pilot? No. It's how we met. Isn't that crazy? This guy I found pretty much at random to help my friend turns out to be the best guy I've ever met. We spent that whole Christmas flying up to Brookings, feeling like we were a part of something big. And, and we can never, ever tell anybody how we met. Until now, I guess. Oh, you can't put this out there. She doesn't want anybody finding her. I don't know where she is. Nobody does. But you saw her. I placed that call from the cabin. You probably figured that out by now. I hadn't, but... <sighs> I called Julie. Told her she was in range so she could ram the car into the trees. We didn't count on Gerald finding her, and I'm so sorry about what happened to him. Really. 
I am. But you have to understand... If Julie came back now, she'd be a legend. No, she wouldn't. They would find a way to make her look like a scared kid, because that's what she was. In the end. So you place the call. I meet her in the woods, and we meet up in the helicopter. Flown by Dan, of course. He takes us up to Brookings, where I put her on the plane with him. She asked me for one last favor, so I leave her clothes bloodied in the woods. Dan flies her to Seattle from there, and that's it. I don't know what happened to her after that. He doesn't know. She evaporated. Uh, if we know her fake name, we could track her, and- She sent me an email two years later, just to say she was fine and not to come looking. And that's the last of it. But all of that blood and... You really didn't get that she staged that? She'd collected these big bags of her blood. Drawing blood every couple of weeks, I told her she was going to faint. But she needed them to make sure nobody, not even her parents, came to find her. They had to think she was dead. I certainly don't know why. Kate, you gotta get going. Good night, you two. I'm sorry I kept this from you, but she's my oldest friend. So much of this doesn't add up. Uh, How long was she planning this? I don't know. There's so much I never asked and wish I had. But you have your answer now, right? You're happy, right? Right? If you know our Bia... I think I found her. Maybe we should leave well enough alone. Let the last three episodes be a series of musical performances by yours truly. No, I really think I found her. Fine, I'll bite. I had Rosalind pull a few strings, grab the passenger's database from that week out of Seattle. And? One Juliet Montgomery. First class out of Seattle. Final destination? Verona, Italy. I do like Italy. Good thing I bought us tickets. Don't you have a thing this weekend? Yeah, I did. But it can wait. I've waited longer for this. You okay with this? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Next time on Arden. We're going to Italy! We're not going... Wait, are we? I don't buy a thing Natalie said, do you? How would I know? But if we were going to Italy, I wouldn't mind a free trip. Great! I'm flying! Wait, what? is created by Emily Vanderwerf, Christopher Dole, and Sarah Golub. This week's episode was written by those same three people. Our audio engineer is Elizabeth O'Bear. Our editor this week was Bridge Gein. Our cast is... Michelle Agresti. Tracy Syed. Shannon Estabrook. Charlita Gaston. Benjamin Watts. Lindsay Zana. Robert Fleet. Lindsay Syme. Grant Patrizio. John Rail. Mia Drake. The score is by Christopher Hatfield. The logo is by Dylan Parr. If you're enjoying Arden, or even if you're not and want to drive us from the face of the internet, there are two ways you can do that. 
You can rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you found it. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, etc., etc. You can also look for us on Patreon, and you can toss us a couple of bucks there. That will get you access to special, exclusive episodes, other prizes, and all sorts of fun things. Tweet at us, ArdenPod, on Twitter. Our website is ardenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr. You can come and talk to us there if you really want to. As always, our head of props was Lindsay Syme. Come back next week for more adventures in Arden. Thank you. Good night. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Congratulations. You've reached the Amelia Project. A new life awaits. If you're not serious about this, hang up. If you continue, there's no way back. Leave your message after the beep. Enter the offices of the Amelia Project and be ready for surprises, twists and turns. Follow the Amelia team as they help their clients fake their deaths and come back with new identities. Each episode is different. Each client coming to the death-faking agency has a unique story to tell. If death and disappearances, comedy and crime, mystery and magic sounds like your cup of... Coco, The Amelia Project is the podcast for you. Search for The Amelia Project wherever you find your podcasts. And remember... Leave your message after the beep.